ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 112. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery, as well as our guest for today, Maura Manzo. In this episode, we talk with Mora about her journey from bartender to yoga entrepreneur. Mora's story starts out in a really unique way. She began to practice yoga to learn how to breathe after a fire destroyed her home in 2006, and she's been on a journey to share yoga with others ever since. Following her teacher training, Mora raised $20,000 for HIV-AIDS programs in South Africa in collaboration with Off the Mat Into the World, a fabulous organization. She considers that project a defining moment in her life in helping her to take her practice to the next level, both as a teacher and a student. Mora has extensively studied trauma-informed practices and the intersection of social justice and yoga, and she's dedicated to making the practice of yoga more inclusive and accessible for all people. Mora's deep commitment to building community shows up in all that she offers, and you'll get a very real sense of that in this conversation. She's been invited to teach at Wanderlust Philly. She's been named one of Be Well Philly's top five yogis to watch. And Mora was featured in Origin Magazine. She teaches classes, workshops, and trainings at her studio, Yoga Home, outside of Philadelphia. And she also offers online classes through Namastream. So let's dive in. Welcome, Mora, to the podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. We love having our clients on the podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. Thank you. So Maura, can we just start? I would love to hear about your life before yoga. What were you doing? What was happening? So before yoga, I started my yoga practice. Actually, the anniversary of my first class is almost like 12 years ago to the day. Before that, I was post-college trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so I was bartending, waitressing, managing restaurants. Wow. And what did you study in college? I studied creative writing with an emphasis in pop culture. So after like the first year and a half of struggling a little bit because I didn't know what I wanted to do, I kind of created my own major. I really liked writing. I liked film. I loved music. And so I got to take all of these writing classes and pop culture classes. So everything from reading Tupac Shakur to one of my textbooks was the history of rock and roll and sociology classes and just like what drives popular culture. So I loved it. I loved it. I would love that. So once you graduated and you're waiting tables and and bartending, 
what were you thinking? Like what was going through your mind with regards to what, what you're going to do with your life? Or were you perfectly happy? doing that? That's a great question. There was part of it that I was perfectly happy. I got to make my own schedule. I never saw myself being in an office in a traditional nine to five. But then, you know, a couple years into it, I started to have that heart and soul itch, which I feel like has always been part of my personality as well. Like, what am I doing? What's my purpose in this world? Am I contributing? And so it was part of my Saturn return, right? 25 seven, that this itch started coming. And I really just started looking around and saying, what do I want to do with my life? And um, I know that there's more potential and purpose inside of me. And so I think what happens with anybody when you start to ask those questions is things start to show up or things start to fall apart that put you on that trajectory and that the path to the truth. And so I had a series of experiences that uh, shook me a little bit more deeply, like a breakup and my grandmother passed away and things of that nature. And I remember just kind of looking around my life and going, well, what do I like to do? Because I felt like I really always wanted to follow what felt good and not, not felt good in a temporary way, but like felt purposeful and soulful. And I remember kind of looking around my kitchen and going, oh, you have all of these food books around... Um, food to heal, heal yourself. So foods for, you know, eating the right colors or eating the right this, just all this holistic food stuff, which is really interesting because growing up, I was like the pickiest kid in the world. And so it astonished people when I made the decision to enroll in the Institute of Integrative Nutrition while it was still a live program in New York City. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so I didn't uh, even know it was ever that. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Huh. So I went, I spent one week and a month in New York for probably close to a year. And if you know anything about that program, I loved it because it was so diverse and it was so holistic in nature that it wasn't just about nutrition. It wasn't about food. It was about how do you take care of your whole self, right? So your job, your relationships, you know, all of the things that make up our life. And so we had all of these interesting speakers and I got introduced to gosh, all all different types of pathways to healing and things of that nature. And at that time, I had quit my bartending job and I was just totally burnt out. I had moved out of the house that I was living in with um, good friends and moved in by myself. I told you that I ended this relationship and I started looking for a job in the holistic wellness world. And there was a studio. This is actually such a great story. And literally like it happened like 12 years ago, this week. There was this wellness studio, wellness, yeah, wellness studio that had opened that had everything, yoga, acupuncture, therapist, um, naturopath. And I applied for like a front desk position there really because I wanted to learn from the naturopath. And so I started working there. I was one of their first hires ever. I was like the weekend front desk girl and I didn't practice yoga at all. Like I said, I was there for learning some of the other modalities. Fast forward a couple months is when I had my fire. And so the shortest version of it is I woke up in the morning. My sister had slept over. We had been out the night before for um, one of my other sister's birthdays. I left my apartment. I like, quickly came back, woke my sister up and said, come with me. Get up. You'll feel so much better. There had been some drinking involved the night before. Come with me. Come get a cup of coffee. I have to go to work, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Within 10 minutes, it looks like a bomb went off in that building. And I was across the street bartending and watched everything I owned go up in flames. And I had been working in that town for about 10 years. So I knew that community really well. Where was this, Mara? What, what town? This was in Ambler, Pennsylvania, which is outside of Philadelphia. 
And so it was a free December day, December 8th. And the whole town watched me watch my life go up in flames. And I lost everything except for the clothes on my back. And in the same breath, like very, very quickly, I knew that it was going to be the best thing that ever happened to me, that I had been praying for a fresh start, a way out of my lease, like all different types of stuff. And the long story short of it is three days later, I walked into my first yoga class. As you watch this building burn, did you know this is going, like in that moment, did you know this was going to be the best thing that ever happened to you? Or did that take 24 hours? No, no. I remember because it was so freezing cold that day and there was so much water. There was like all of these icicles hanging around the building. And I can remember seeing what happens with water, right? And as I can remember seeing rainbows through fire, fire shooting window. And there was just this little voice inside of me that said, this is what you've been praying for is a fresh start. That doesn't mean that it was easy and it doesn't mean that I wished it on anyone. And it was a really hard time and it was a really confusing time. And I also remember a couple weeks later going, am I okay? Am I like avoiding this? Am I detached from this? Let me start to go see this therapist that I know just to make sure that like I'm okay. And I was. And that studio at the time that I was working at, I ended up becoming the director of that studio. And that studio eventually closed and was vacant for a year and a half. And it's where my studio is currently located now. Oh, isn't that in the, what a great story. Yeah. And so at the, so yeah, so I walked into my first yoga class three days later and like literally the rest is history. I had a very touching experience in that first class. I started with uh, really gentle yoga and then I quickly moved to more vigorous styles. I grew up as a competitive gymnast. So I was having a ton of remembering in my physical body. And so the yoga postures, I just knew. I knew how to do them, et cetera. But I fell in love with the practice. And it was very clear to me that I was on that trajectory. But this just like slingshot at me and propelled me even quicker into my purpose. One giant push from the universe. That's what that was. It was a big push. I find, you know, we have a client that had a similar but different experience where she lost all her physical belongings in a, it fell into the ocean. (laughs) She was traveling back from a shipping container. Yeah. They shed all her stuff in a container and on the boat and it fell into the Atlantic. And I remember we interviewed her early on. And I always think like, I don't want that for myself. I don't wish that tragedy. But at the same time, there's something so appealing to just this fresh, clean start. And I don't, I don't, and it sounds sort of, you know, counterintuitive, but I think I, there's a little bit of a jealousy, like, oh, what would that feel like to have no attachments and really become centered and what realize what's important? Does that make sense? Or does that sound completely dumb? No, it makes total sense. And, and I think it, that the fire for sure taught me a lot about attachment to things and not being so unattached. And it was weird because I was grieving over things, right? I was grieving over things that were lost. But the hardest part was the memories and the, the, the things that I, the journals that I had and the poems that I had or the pieces of art and pictures from travels. And I, it taught me a lot about holding those stories in my heart and that I don't need things to be able to tell those stories, that I can tell that, that story. There was a piece of it that was really cathartic in a whew, invigorating, fresh outlook on life kind of way. 
And when you did that yoga, those early days in the yoga, did you know that this could be a business for you? Or did you start thinking in that way? Or were you just enjoying the the personal benefits? Yeah, no, not yet. Because I can also remember a time when somebody said, and you know, being at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, maybe you'll become a yoga teacher and being like, I'm never going to be a yoga teacher. And then that little voice being like, check yourself. But in the beginning, no, I was just so in love with it was so in love with it and just really enjoying that process of being a student and like the expansion that I was, the expansion and growth that I was feeling in my personal life and then match that with the beginning of a yoga practice. It just felt like this tremendously exciting time of growth. But because I was at that point then running a studio, I started to realize what my gifts were and how marketing came easy for me and how some of these aspects of the business of it and really how to pair yoga philosophy with business principles and, you know, the head and the heart pieces of them, I started to realize, oh, there's something that I'm like naturally good at here that you all know, like for some of this comes natural to people and some of it doesn't. And I just started to realize where my gifts were and my ability to like build community and connect people. And so I think just in that expansive time period, I was noticing and and tapping into that feeling and really, really enjoying both of those worlds. And so after I did my teacher training, I taught for a couple of years, I was still running that studio. And then I took a break and just you know, was an independent contractor teacher at a bunch of different studios in the area and stepped away from the management to, you know, I was a little burnt out. Um, I didn't own that studio. So there's, you know, there's always dynamic of relationship when you're managing a studio, but it's not yours and all of that kind of stuff. And so I was away from the management and the business piece of it for probably close to two years. And again, just in that self-reflection, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to open a studio and this is where I you know, came into conversation with my current business partner, Kerry, and to see if our visions matched and et cetera, and uh, to put the things that we were really good at and passionate about to work to build what we have now, which is Yoga Home. Can you tell us a little bit about your studio? Is it one location? How big is it? How long have you been around? Yeah, what's the journey of that business? So Yoga Home has been open for almost five years. We're located outside of Philadelphia. We have one studio, though now I consider our online studio our second studio. We have two classrooms inside the studio. So the the physical space is about 4,500 square feet. So it's a large space. We have um, built-in community space with a couch and chairs. We have retail space. We have office, bathrooms, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And our intention with Yoga Home really is we believe that yoga is for everybody. And so we've created very community oriented, we're very service oriented, and we've created a schedule and offerings outside of our schedule that really invite people of all different backgrounds into our space. So we have everything from, you know, traditional Hatha classes and vinyasa classes and power classes to um, an equally robust schedule of yin and gentle and restorative. My business partner created our adaptive yoga program. So working with people that have different ranges of abilities, be that physical or mental, to really celebrate diversity and create inclusivity by our offerings, which includes our regular schedule, which I think is a little bit different than a lot of people around here are doing that you know, maybe focused in one practice or lineage. We do a decent amount of work with social justice causes. Again, because for us, you know, what what you're experiencing on the mat is fantastic, but if it's not having a ripple effect or an impact in in your life, you know, know, so that's just 
uh, important to us to, you know, do our part in helping to develop and nurture the human spirit and uh, human beings. So can you tell us about the decision to create your online studio? I want to know about the conversations you perhaps had with your business partner. What were you hearing from your students? What was the chatter? What was it that made you think, oh my God, I I really need to do this, or we really need to do this? So having um, an online platform has actually been in our business plan since day one. Ah, I see. Smart people you are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think our intention had been to do this a while ago. And then things happen. You open your studio and you realize where your attention needs to be and obstacles that come up and, and or maybe it's not the right time for it. So we've done different things and YouTube videos and et cetera, and things of that nature. Um, In the last year or so, of course, you know, I'm watching this trend happen throughout all different industries, you know, taking trainings online, whether it's educational training or physical training in yoga and things of that nature. So it's always been, I've always been inspired to be really like on point with trend and pushing the business forward in that and being a leader in the yoga industry with that, especially in our area. It also really fuels my creativity. So in about the, in the last year or so, when Carrie and I were doing some more strategic planning for the business and where we wanted the business to go, I really just expressed my own personal need and desire to step into a project that um, fulfilled some things on a personal level and a creative level for me. And so I, I spent, geez, probably three months doing some research and development around it to create strategy, to create a budget, to, you know, have a look at the potential impact that this could have for our community on a variety of different levels. So not just the P&L and the financial piece, but our ability to have greater impact with our current studentship, with our studentship that leaves us for a variety of different reasons, and then to extend our community beyond what we currently have. And my partnership with Carrie is really fantastic. And, you know, she gave me autonomy to and said, okay, here we go, go, go for it. So it was really, it has been really, really fulfilling for me to step into this, to step into this with our teachers, to develop strategy around it. So that's kind of where it came from, if that answers your question. Can you talk more about what you were looking at as far as this creative part? Like what for that three months, or I think it was three months, you just said, what were you doing? What exact questions were you trying to answer before you started? So, I mean, in the research and development phase, before we landed with Namastream, that was mostly logistical, like what is going to be cost effective, what platform is going to be the easiest for us to work with. I'm not, a, I love tech, but I'm not a tech person, you know, so I knew that there was- you kind of are, I'm just going to tell you, you kind of are, I've what I've just went through your <laughs> website, I combed through it and like, she knows her tech. Oh, yeah. I have been calling myself the tech wizard at work now. It's funny. Yes, you should. So I, so I get it and I understand it, but I also knew that I was going to have to teach myself a lot along the way. So once I pitched Namastream to Carrie and we, and we decided to go with that, then I started thinking about how is our community going to respond to this? And I what I did was really model, and what I'm still trying to do what I'm, is model our Namastream platform off of our current studio schedule. So while it could have been Carrie and I as owners being the two main teachers that were focused on that site, that's not how our schedule is built. And so I literally like broke down my schedule and thought, what is the percentage of vinyasa classes on here? What are the percentage of adaptive classes on here? And set up Namastream to mirror that. So that way it would be appealing for all of the different audiences and studentships that step into our studio. So it wasn't just vinyasa practices for people to pe- people to step into at home, but all of our yin students or our basic students, or if you've seen, we've ha- we have adaptive classes up there and chair yoga class up 
there. So that way, again, that inclusivity piece that everybody in our community felt included in this new offering. I did not realize you had this adaptive piece. And I just, I think that is, that is amazing. Do you know who Mary Jo Federley is? I don't, but my business partner, Carrie might. She teaches it. Yeah. She was my teacher trainer or my uh, yoga teacher training. And she taught me. And then like weeks after the course ended, she was in a a ski accident and she ended up uh, spinal cord injury and quadriplegic. But so she teaches it from the wheelchair. She's incredible. She's amazing. Anyway, I'm going to just check out what you're doing because that's yeah. that's cool. And I think it's such important, yeah. such important yeah. work. Carrie has studied a lot with Matthew Samford and then Jeevana, uh, I forget Jeevana's last name, who is the founder of the Adaptive Yoga Co- Conference, I believe. And how did you first go about talking to your students about this idea? Like, how did you present it to your community? And what was the initial feedback you received? I don't think I really talked about it with our students first. I mean, some of like, some of Carrie and I's students that have been with us the longest, like even before the studio, you know, have probably heard us talk about this before and that this was in the plan somewhere. But really who we started talking to about first was our teachers, because the way we view everything is that it grows from the inside out. So by getting our teachers on board and getting them excited, then they help us talk about it because again, they're in front of different people. You know, when the studio first opened, maybe Carrie and I were the main two teachers, but that's not the case anymore. So there are students that I never see, but are in Megan's classes all the time. And so we really started having that conversation with our, our teachers first. And then we started teasing it on social media. Once I started filming, then I started teasing it on social media saying like, this is coming, this is coming, get excited. And then we just started getting like tremendous amount of feedback, like from the get go, like this might be one of the things that we received the most engagement around on social media than anything. And like unsolicited feedback, like we've never had to say like, post your pictures or share with us. But as soon as we launched, I mean, people were taking pictures of their Christmas, of of their mat set up under their Christmas tree, like so excited to practice at home and like tweeting it, putting on their Instagram stories. So we really didn't start talking to the students about it until we started filming and started to give them these behind the scenes looks. And who was I filming this week? And, and I'm still doing that now as I film everybody. What style I'm filming with them? What do they want to see from this teacher to, again, give them part of that process? But I would say we really didn't start talking about it to students purposefully until like a month before the launch. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. One of the most common questions we get from potential studios who are wanting to join Namastream is about compensation around teachers. Are you comfortable sharing with how you've dealt with that? I am. And I, I so appreciate you asking that question because I found that this is an area where sometimes people aren't so willing to. And it was hard for me when, when I was doing the research because there doesn't seem to be industry standard around it. There were some people that weren't willing to share with me you know, what they were being compensated. And so Honestly, I took the advice that was on, I believe, uh, your podcast that at least right now for our membership option to pay the teachers a flat rate. So what we've done is pay the teachers anywhere from 
two to three times their hourly rate for a class. So to be honest, it works out to be $125 an hour. Yeah, I think that's smart. And then did you choose the teachers? Like, are you saying you and you and and not you right now? Yeah. So, you know, our intention eventually is to get all of our teachers up there. What we did um, was pick the teachers that have been with us the longest. Yeah. I mean, all the teachers that I wrote originally wrote contracts with have been with us the longest. And so we did it from a seniority standpoint. We wrote contracts out for them. I suggested what I'd like to see them film, how long I wanted it to be. I said I was open to have I was open to being in conversation about it because especially with some of the specialty things like prenatal or postnatal or kids, they know better than me if this length is too long or too short. And then I also said like their payment was contingent on getting all of those things shot and filmed. So I was asking them to really come prepared. You know, I had a, I had a whole page document of things that they should consider from blocks to studentship, to clothes, to makeup, to sequencing, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So that when we got together to film for those three or four hours, we could get it done. So that way they could get full pay for it. And, and everybody did. And so that was great. But so that's kind of been our launch is with the, the teachers that have been with us the longest. And then now I'm in the process of, you know, just being in conversation with some of our other teachers, you know, are they interested? Because some of the teachers that I initially proposed opposed to weren't interested, you know, and that, and that's too, or, or it was a really busy time of year to try to get it done in November. And can I ask them the second time around, or can they come in and like, can we wait till we go live so they can see what it's all about? So they feel a little more comfortable, you know, things of that nature. And have you been asked about non-compete clauses or is there a non-compete clause in your contract? I don't know if you're comfortable sharing that. No, I can totally show that. So we do not have a non-complete P clause. And like, I feel okay with that. We did end up redoing. So the way that Yoga Home is structured, we have extensive like policies and procedures and to just keep everything really clear for everybody. And we've had that since day one and it's grown as we've grown. We did end up rewriting that into an official independent contractor agreement. That's like a legal document as opposed to just a 12-page PDF. Um, And then in that, we added clauses about film, like video, filming releases, ownership of that material, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But there is not a non-compete clause. Do you have a non-compete for non-online classes? Like, are your teachers allowed to teach anywhere else in town or... Yep, they're allowed to teach anywhere else in town. I mean, we ask to just be in conversation about it and to be, you know, transparent about all of that because we are such a big community. We do a ton of stuff outside of the studio. We do a ton of stuff outside of the studio. And so just making sure that our students understand like what's happening on the back end for marketing and advertising and how long it takes us to develop community relationships. So if they are working with a community partner, again, like if it's, you know, anywhere in a five, 10 mile radius, let's just talk about it because we don't want to be competitive with each other. Other thing that we just ask is when they're hosting workshops, things of that nature, you know, to not host it at a competing studio within a certain period of time, because it's just going to cannibalize each other. And it's just not going to be great for everyone. But yeah, so no non-compete. 
And I just want to ask you, I'm so curious about your launch because you just did it. We're, we are recording in December 2018 and, and you launched over the Black Friday weekend last month. So was that a strategy? Like, you, Did you say, like, this is when people are primed to buy, we are going to do this on this weekend? And did you kind of delay and waiting for that weekend? So yes and no. Because it was crazy for you. It was you. so good. So yes and no. So originally when I started, like I started the research piece in May. I think my intention was to launch somewhere in October. And then I like quickly knew like this isn't going to happen then. You know, August comes around. If you try to do it, I feel like it's so hard to get. Yeah, nothing happens. August. So when I started to realize that it was going to get pushed back instead of like that self-beat that can happen, I was like, wait a second, this could be great to launch it on Black Friday. And so then that did become part of the strategy and the timing for it. And then what happened the week of Black Friday, because I was, one of my challenges was actually like setting up filming schedules with teachers. Like everybody's schedules just so crazy. I wasn't anticipating some teachers to like decline the offer initially. So I was like cramming on getting the videos done, you know, the two, three weeks before. And I had been doing a lot of travel in October and November. So for the couple weeks leading up to it, I'm working to get the filming done, filming done. And I was just so in like headspace of like logistics that at one point, like a couple days before the launch, I was like, my manager left, like my head was like literally like spinning off my head. I said, I need to like step away from this to give myself some space because there's something about the launch that's not feeling right for me. And I need some space to be in like creative imagination, et cetera. And the way that we ended up launching, I changed that like literally 36 hours before we launched. I was like, you know what? Now I don't even remember what I was going to do. I think I was just going to do 20% off like monthly subscriptions. And at the last minute, I was like, nope, we got to do a yearly and a monthly and 50% off and like blow it out for the weekend. And I was like, oh my well, God, it worked. Oh my wow. God, it's like anybody going to show up at my party kind of feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just like blew up and it was, I was, it was like sweet relief and like exciting and all of that. Yeah, because we we had uh, you know we had kind of in touch with you over that weekend. You're like with little questions here and there, and a few of your students with login issues or whatever. And I was like, "What is going on over here?" I had to go check it out because, but I think it was really a really smart move. I mean, the timing just happened to work out for you. But like, I think it's the most recent launches that I've seen. People have given a, a fairly hefty discount to get those first users, those early adopters in, and I think that really works. And then when you do it over. Black Friday, people have their credit cards out there watching their box. What's the deal? What's the deal? You know, so it's really, really cool to watch, have watched that, have witnessed that. Originally also only going to be Black Friday. And then I was like, nope, and we're going to do it all weekend. We're going to do it all weekend. So it was really, it was like, you know, I think we've all been in those experiences where we're watching logins and accounts. And it was really fun to watch people's response to it. And then like, again, like the feedback, the unsolicited marketing that we received on social media just created such this hype, such, such this energy and buzz. Yeah, that's the that's the dream. Oh, right I there. love it. I love the story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's going to inspire a lot of people. Yeah. All right. So do you want to move into Proust's questionnaire? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Maura, I'm going to ask you some questions and you're just going to answer quickly the first answer that pops into your head. So what is your idea of perfect happiness? Mm, I have a day. I have a perfect day. And it's like sleeping it? in a little bit, having coffee, going to yoga, then perhaps either going for like a hike in nature or like going to the movies, having a really amazing home cooked meal or fresh cooked meal 
and currently would be spending time with my boyfriend or like a loved one and just kind of like this inside experience and this outside experience of like surrounding nature, landscape, travel, something like that. Beautiful. What is your greatest fear? Oh, failure. What book are you reading right now? Oh, geez. I feel like I'm reading like four books right now. Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. And so you want to talk about race. And there are the two right now. What is your greatest extravagance? Food. Whole foods. <laughs> <laughs> Which talent would you most like to have? Oh, a singer. Singer in a, in a, like a Motown band. What is your most treasured possession? Which is interesting for you since you have experienced losing all your possessions. My most treasured possession. I don't know if I have a most treasured, like physical possession. That could be your answer too. That's fine. What do you value, most value in your friends? Loyalty, trust, and a sense of humor. What is your greatest regret? You know, this is a really interesting answer. I do a lot of service work and um, have been in a bunch of different countries. And a few years ago, I was in Senegal doing a school build with an organization called Build On. And I was there during Ramadan. The community that I was living in was a Muslim community. And so it was a really interesting experience. Uh, they also practiced polygamy. So there was a lot of things that were going on during this week, but especially being Ramadan. If you know about Ramadan, it's 30 days of fasting. And the host family I was staying with made me this beautiful meal. And I declined it because I was afraid of it. Whole fish. I had seen fish at the market the day before, kind of like baking in the hot sun and then just, you know, totally out of my comfort zone, et cetera. And I declined it out of fear. And I still think about that and think about how my fear got in the way of me, of me perhaps having a deeper connection with people that I didn't know that well. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Okay, let's dive into the joy and hustle. So I know you've already been preparing. So if you can share with us a resource or a tool that will bring our listeners joy and something to help them hustle in their business. Okay, so I'll start with the hustle first. There's a couple tools here. And I really, and I'm saying this not because I'm on your podcast, but like your podcast this summer was so amazing for me because I feel like there's not a lot of business tools for people in the wellness world. So that was one. I love Loom, right? To be like, yes, to videos I, and instruction yes. as opposed to like having <laughs> we a, love Loom too. Type out a thousand processes. Yeah. The other thing that, and I have to work really hard to carve out time to do these, but it's really important to me, um, social justice and inclusivity and diversity. So if you are familiar with or your readers aren't familiar with Off the Mat Into the World and some of the online programming that they do. And then their previous executive director, Carrie Kelly, has an organization called Citizen Well. Um, and it's, a, it's actually an acronym, so it's not spelled out that that same way that she does a podcast. She also sends out a newsletter every week, kind of gathering resources and materials of what you need to read and like what's going on with wellness and politics and whiteness and, and things of that nature that help me stay committed to like why I'm doing yoga for real, like for the betterment of the world and my responsibility in that. And then the last piece of the hustle that I think like some... Some people for, like, forget how valuable this is, is like I use an old school planner, like taking to pen and paper. I mean, I use my like tech stuff too, but like taking to pen and paper for writing out ideas and whiteboards and calendars just helps me um, big picture, see things that are like in a wider scope that I don't want people to forget the importance of those like traditions and practices. 
Agreed. I think you're talking to two pen and paper women just, right here. I just ordered two Absolutely. paper planners for 2019. Two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear you. <laughs> I got two, too. Okay. And what about your joy? My joy. So my joys currently have, have nothing to do with work. I live a block away from the studio. I teach at the studio. So my life is just so enmeshed in that, that my joys are so far. I try to make my joys so far out of that. So that way I can just have different perspectives sometimes. So one of my biggest joys that people probably wouldn't consider is my boyfriend coaches college basketball. And I find tremendous amount of joy in going to college basketball games and like the cathartic release of like cheering and screaming and yelling that, you know, sometimes in the yoga world, we have to be like put together and maybe we like cry a little bit, but like, the like, woo! like, it's like literally cathartic release. So I think like my joy right now is just finding things that are travel outside, you know, all of those things that I feel like are kind of normal and then a good old Netflix binge. Oh, yeah. I'm all about the Netflix. I need to out Sandy here because I have a feeling you don't know this more, but Sandy was a college basketball star. So I think she knows. Well, I don't know something about the screaming and stands. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the part that you're missing is that this is Canada and we don't really have people who attend our university sports. So it was pretty much like boyfriends in the the stands and that's it. We did play in Rochester. I could talk about it all the time. And I mean, I definitely have a different lens because my boyfriend's a coach, like to get into like player development and relationships and that, but to also see the parallels of what we're trying to do and like bring out the best of human potential. Mm -hmm. So interesting conversations we have, but I get to be like, I get to be my like loud, energetic self unapologetically. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's funny. Well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story. And like I said earlier, I think it's really going to inspire a lot of people who've been sitting on the edge of their seats waiting for the right time. And, you know, hopefully they see themselves at least partly in, in your experience. So thank you again. Yeah. And I think the one thing that like, if anybody's like on the fence with it, I feel like, I mean, it's much bigger than some other pieces of technology, but like any form of technology, the first time you pick it up, you're kind of like, what, how do I do this? And then like, the more you play with it, you're like, oh, I got it. And then like, before you know it, it's like second nature, it's a breeze. So like, just start what you guys say a lot, but like, just start. Love it. Thank you so much, Mara. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free. Thank you.